Lord, we just give this service and this time to you as we look to your word today regarding prayer. We pray that you would speak to us in incredible ways about our prayer lives and about the powerful prayers in our lives that are waiting to be prayed. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today's Wild Spirit Sunday. We welcome you if you're a student. We welcome you if you're not a student. We're so thankful that you're here and that you're a gift, you're a gift to, to New Life Church. We do have the meal after service for college students. We'd love for you to join us. It's from Nick's Food Rendezvous. If you've not checked out his food truck, it's amazing. We also have uh, Mary Mountain cookies here, and they are like the size of your face. And uh, so you're going to want those. Uh, we, good thing we gave away a Lodge gift card. You're going to need to go to the Lodge after eating some Mary's Mountain cookies because it'll do the opposite effect uh, for you. So uh, last Sunday, we kicked off the series talking about powerful prayers that are waiting to be prayed and um, the reality of untapped potential of prayer in our lives. We talked about Moses' prayer, which was really a prayer for guidance from the Lord and a prayer for God's presence. Moses said, unless your spirit goes with us, don't send us. And we learned a powerful principle that the power of prayer is not in the one that's praying it, but it's in the one that's hearing it. We can all pray powerful prayers, but the Bible tells us that we have not because we ask not. Too often we don't have the answers that we want from prayer, because, not because God isn't able to answer our prayers, but because we're not going to God in prayer in the first place. We're not asking. When we think about what is possible through prayer and what's available to us when we pray and yet how little we actually pray, it's not really a stretch to say that prayer is the most underutilized tool that God has given us. Prayer is a powerful weapon and the greatest failure of prayer is simply our failure to pray. I'll say that again. Prayer is a powerful weapon and the greatest failure of prayer is simply our failure to pray. If you have been at a grocery store recently, you're in the checkout line, you see the the magazines that are there, you're eventually going to get to an article on the cover that says something like, you know, welcome to life in the real world or discover life in the real world type of article. And here's a sampling of the wisdom that you get in those kind of articles from some uh, some recent magazine uh, cover stories. Um, One said it's a dog eat dog world. So here's top 10 ways to make it to the top. Leave the simple-minded ways of your hometown behind and embrace real-world ideas that will, tr- that will transform your love life. Uh, designer labels, your frenemy will be infuriated when she sees you dressing better than she does. The goal of these type of magazine articles, besides just selling paper and ads, is to open your eyes to the agenda that they want to sell and a worldview that they want to propagate as real life. But what determines what real life is? Is it just because enough people say it that it becomes real life? Uh, We live in a world where it's believed that you can kind of manifest your own reality. The truth is relative. There's no moral absolutes. There's no standards that, that apply to all of our lives. And scripture has a lot to say about the wisdom of the world, which boasts knowledge of the real world. Any of you who wear glasses and you need them, you can testify that when your when your vision is off, There are things that you can't see or the things that you see that are not as they should be. And the thing is that we all in our lives, in our spiritual lives, we need special glasses. None of us see things the way that they really are. There's a spiritual realm that we often live our lives unaware of. In Genesis, in the garden, man was found walking with God in the cool of the day. That was reality. That was the reality that God created for our lives to to live in and to be a part of. 
But we found, as we read the story, we see Eve in the Garden of Eden at the checkout line. You know, she's there and the serpent comes. Not a magazine headline, but it says, hey, you know what? Why don't you, why don't you forget what the rules are that you've been told? Uh, if you disobey God, your eyes will be open to the real world and you'll be like God. It's the temptation that's been there since the beginning of the world. The Bible is full of eye-opening stories. So from Saul that became Paul, it's from the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. The, the Bible's full of these stories um, of eye-opening situations. In our world, the, the temptation is still there that we can somehow discover this new reality or this new life. And there's this desire for an awareness that sets us apart and that moves us ahead. And today I want to talk to you about how our eyes can be opened to reality that's more than meets the eye in our world. And how a powerful prayer that we can pray is, God, would you open my eyes to see the things that you would have me to see? So if you turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6, I want to set up the story for you. Israel is at war with Syria and God is giving Elisha insight as to the plan um, of the enemy concerning the war. And so Syria was likely uh, aware of God. Syria was likely aware of the power of God that moved through the life of Elisha uh, because many of you will remember the story of Naaman. Naaman was cured of leprosy at the hands of Elisha. He went to seek a cure because this was, this was uh, destroying his life. And so Naaman is the chief army commander um, of this same Syrian king that's now attacking Israel. So if you're the king and your chief army officer is cured of leprosy, you're going to likely know that something has happened. You're going to likely know what happened uh, and that your commander was miraculously cured of leprosy during a time of war. It's unlikely that the king wouldn't have heard. So the king, the king knew of how God used Elisha in some incredible ways. So we pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. It says, when the king of Aram, which is Syria, was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we want to mobilize our forces at such a place in such a time. But immediately Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on alert. So God's giving the, the Syria plan to Elisha, who's giving it to the king of Israel, and they're thwarting the plan of the enemy every time. And the king of Aram, in verse 11, says he became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who's been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, the king. One of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army and many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than there are on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. This is a powerful story that not only shows us that there's more than meets the eye in the spiritual realm, but it's a reminder to us that it's easy for us to be spiritually blinded to that reality, even when God is at work all around us. God had used Elisha to do 
some incredible things, some miraculous things. And Elisha's servant had been there to see it all. He had a front row seat to all that God had been doing. But that morning he wakes up and he sees the Syrian army. He sees that they're surrounded, that it's so large and imposing to the human eye. And immediately he goes not to the miracle working God that he'd had a front row seat to see all that God had been doing and how he'd been working on their behalf. But he becomes solely focused on the attack of the enemy. How many times do we do that? How many times has God been faithful to you? How many times has God answered the prayers in your life? How many times has God come through time and time again? And yet, when you're faced with a situation that's a crisis moment, immediately, instead of going to the God who's been faithful in the past, we panic. We despair. We wonder, how am I going to make it through this? What's going to happen? We often do the same thing that Elisha's servant did in our own lives. Elisha spoke the truth to the servant in faith, and he prayed a simple, powerful prayer. And it's a prayer that we also need to pray and that we need to have prayed over us. It's simply this, oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. There's at least two things that the servant's eyes are open to and that we need our eyes to be open to today as well. We need to pray that God will open our eyes to who God is. There's a quote that I love that says, open our eyes so that we can see the whole world is full of God. If Elijah ever sweats because of the army that's surrounding him, we don't read about it in this story. One of the remarkable things is his calm faith in the midst of the crisis. Elisha is just, he, he's not worried. He's not shaken by this army that's there. We don't know for sure, um, you know, but... but uh, did, did Elisha have knowledge of this army being there? God was giving Elisha the plans of the, the enemy army. But we don't know if, if Elisha knew about this army being there or not. I would say that it's likely that Elisha was already aware of, of what was going on, but he was convinced of who God was. And his big view of God reassured him of where his protection was from. I think that Elisha already knew the army was going to be there before the servant ever went outside. Most of us determine reality in our lives by our physical senses. If we can see, if we can hear, if we can feel, if we can smell, if we can taste, then it must be real. I'm sure that for Elisha's servant, reality was thousands of soldiers that were mounted on powerful war horses who could wipe out this whole town of, of Dothan before nightfall. But for Elisha, that wasn't the, the only reality. For him, reality was the even greater, more powerful army of angels surrounding the city. These angels were there all along. The problem was Elisha's servant didn't have the eyes open to see them. But his not seeing them didn't make them unreal or not existent. It just meant that he was focused on what he could see in the natural, in the human, in the physical. Elisha's prayer opened his eyes to see spiritual reality. And spiritual reality is the ultimate reality, superseding the reality of what we perceive simply by our physical senses. There's more going on in your life than you can see and taste and hear and smell and feel. There's more that's happening in your world. There's a spiritual realm. There's a spiritual attack. There's a spiritual level of things that are happening in your life. And a big view of God puts life's problems in perspective. We talked about it today. One of the reasons we don't come to the Lord in prayer, one of the reasons we don't come down and pray with prayer team members is because we have a small view of God. He's, he's too big for our small problems or our problems are too big for God. 
Elisha appears to have the same resolve as David who said in Psalm 20 verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. If God is big, if God is all sufficient, Elisha has no reason to fear. There's no need to be afraid. A.W. Tozer says what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What is it that comes into your mind when you think about God? What is the idea that you have of God? It's not how we view ourselves. It's not how much we know. It's our view of God that really matters. The simple truth is when God gets bigger, our worries get smaller. The more we think of God, the bigger our view of God gets and the smaller we get. A low view of God is the reason that so many of our struggles overwhelm us. If we don't see God as bigger than our problems, then we can go through rough waters and we'll feel like we're going to be consumed by them. A big view of God also puts our lives under his protection. If God is big and God is all powerful and if God is good and God loves us, even if the army surrounds us, we can be at peace under the protection of a big God because God is bigger. Even if the diagnosis isn't what we want it to be. God is bigger. Even if the semester appears to be a disaster already, God is bigger. Even if there's more week left at the end of the paycheck, God is bigger. Even if the problems in our family seem like they're worse than they ever have been, God is bigger. And the greatest way for our view of God to be bigger is for us to learn John 3.30 and apply it to our lives. And that is simply, he must increase and I must decrease. Because when we begin to think too much of ourselves and too much of our problems and too little of God, all of a sudden we magnify those problems. We magnify our own abilities and our own limitations instead of the unlimited power of God in our lives. You and I are fragile. Our lives are but a vapor. Our power is limited. But so often our view of ourselves is bigger than our view of God. And if somehow in our minds, if somehow in our hearts, if somehow in our reality that we've allowed ourselves to believe in and buy into because we can see it and smell it and taste it and feel it. If somehow our limited ability is bigger than God, then our view of God is way lower than than it ever should be. If if God is somehow less able than we are, then, then that what good does God do for us? Our eyes need to be opened to who God is in our lives and the spiritual reality of a God who's big and who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine. We need a big view of God. So our eyes need to be opened, first of all, to who God is. And then the second thing is our eyes need to be opened to what prayer does. Prayer opens our eyes to spiritual reality, but prayer doesn't just reveal things. Prayer changes things. In this story, we see that that Elisha prayed that that his eyes would be open so that he could see. But when his eyes were open and when he was able to see, all of a sudden, things began to change. Prayer can change things around us, but prayer often and prayer most likely changes things within us. Prayer speaks peace when human nature says panic. We already mentioned there's an obvious contrast between the panic of Elisha's servant and the peace of Elisha. I think another reason for the difference is accounted for by Elisha's consistent communion with God in prayer. Although the text doesn't state it directly, obviously it was through prayer that Elisha gained this supernatural knowledge of the enemy's planned raids against Israel. It was because of his communion with God, because of his relationship, because of the prayer life that he had. I believe that Elisha knew how God wanted him to deal with the crisis because he'd prayed. 
Elisha's mentor, Elijah, had called down fire from heaven to consume some soldiers that had come to take him captive. Elijah had seen this before. He had been in this situation. His view of God was big and his relationship with God was big because he'd spent time in prayer. And God may not grant us miraculous insight or power as he did here with Elisha. But if we're people of prayer and we commune with God through his word, we're going to have unusual wisdom for dealing with trials when they hit. When other people would panic, we're going to have a peace that's unexplainable. A peace that passes understanding that the Bible talks to us about in our lives. When human nature says to panic, we can have peace. The second thing that prayer does is prayer opens our eyes to the spiritual reality. The Bible reminds us the truth that that really matters is often not what we see, and it's more than what's going on in the here and now. We see this in the New Testament with Paul and his life in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, when he talks about how this momentary and light affliction wasn't the real thing, but the real thing was the eternal glory that's awaiting for him in heaven. We see it as the scriptures just declare that our battles are not against flesh and blood. The enemy is not your spouse. The enemy is not your son. The enemy is not your ex-wife or your coworker or your boss. The battle is spiritual. And the way that we combat spiritual forces in our lives is through prayer. Prayer opens our eyes to the spiritual reality. And prayer makes possible what's humanly impossible. Knowing the plan of the enemy in order to stay one step ahead of the enemy was humanly impossible. It was possible for Elisha because of prayer. Opening the servant's eyes to see the angel armies was not humanly possible. Elisha's prayer was not for his servant to do what he could already do or to use some ability that he already possessed. His prayer was for God to do something that's not humanly possible. So often we pray with a, with a humanly possible lens. We, we say, God, this is the only way that I can see for this to work out. So I'm praying for this to happen because this is, this is how it makes sense to me. And when we really develop our prayer life and we grow in that and our view of God is big, we realize that God wants to work in some ways in our lives that are not simply by the confines of what is humanly possible, but God wants to do the supernatural in our lives. He wants to move in ways that are not humanly possible so that we can see him in a new light and so that he can supernaturally come through for us, open our eyes to the spiritual realm and make things that are humanly impossible possible in our lives. When we pray for the salvation of another person, we're not asking God just to help them out a little bit. We're asking God to do what's humanly impossible. When we pray for God to heal a person with a disease, we're not simply asking that God would make them to feel a little bit better. We're asking for God to go beyond what is humanly possible and to move in the supernatural realm. When we pray for a hopeless situation, we're praying for God to do what's seemingly humanly impossible and what can only be done through the power of prayer and through God's supernatural power in our lives. In spiritual warfare, prayer is the weapon that anchors us to the place of victory. We have to pray with our eyes on God and not our eyes on the challenges or the difficulties. And I wonder today in your life, what is your view of God? What is your view of God? Today in your life, how much are you like Elisha, the man of, of, of God and the man of faith, that when the crisis comes in your life, you know the God that's come through in the past. You know the faithfulness of God that's been there. You know the God that was there with Elijah, that when Elijah faced crisis, this is how God came through. And you've seen it in his life. And you know that the same God has moved in your life in the past in different ways and that he's able to come through in your situation. 
Or is your faith more like that of the servant of Elisha, that even though he'd seen the miracles of God, even though he'd seen God come through in the past for Elisha, even though every day they're walking in the miraculous, the enemy's planning an attack, and God's giving Elisha the plans, Naaman's coming to, to be healed of his leprosy, and God's curing Naaman of his leprosy miraculously, and God's doing all these powerful things, and yet when he awakens in the morning and he sees the things that can be seen with human eyes and can be felt with the human touch and, and seen and smelled and heard and all those things, all of a sudden, instead of having his faith solidly planted in who God is, he does what human nature does and he begins to panic. And if that's the case in your life, then I've got good news for you today. There's a powerful prayer that's waiting to be prayed that simply says, God, would you open my eyes so that I can see? It's a prayer that Elisha in this story prayed for his servant. You can pray that for somebody else, but how powerful is it to pray it for yourself if we can come to a place of recognition that my view of God isn't where it needs to be. I've doubted God by my actions. I've, I've had a low view of God because I've tried to fix things on my own instead of going to God who is all powerful in my life. I've tried to deal with my, my problems and my crisis in my own power and my own ability. I've not trusted God. I've not used, utilized the weapon that's been given to me in prayer. And so the greatest failure of prayer has caused the greatest failure of prayer in my life. And that's my failure to pray. Do you have a big view of God in your life or a low view of God? Are there powerful prayers that need to be prayed in your life that you've yet to pray? Failure to prayer is not merely breaking some religious rule. It's really a failure to treat God as God. It's a failure to put God in his rightful place in our lives. So I want you to think about that for a minute. Is God in the rightful place in your life? And if he's not, then the prayer that we pray today is, God, would you open my eyes to see who you really are? Would you open my eyes so that I can see the love that you have for me and the desire that you have for me as your child? God, would you open my eyes so that I can see the relationship that I could have with you? If I would simply put into practice in my life those things that you've already freely given to me, the gift of salvation, the gift of prayer, the gift of God's word, the gift of a relationship with him are freely available to you today. God, I pray that across this room that you would open all of our eyes to the reality that is around us, but that we fail to see in the natural because we've become accustomed to a big view of me. We've become accustomed to the image in the mirror and our confidence in ourselves and our own abilities and our own power that we've we failed to put you in the rightful place in our lives. God, would you remind us of how great that you are? Would you remind us that those that are with us are greater than those that are against us? God, would you open our eyes to let us see today across this room, Lord God? Would you help us to see that there's a power that's available to us in prayer? If we would just go to you in prayer, if we would just utilize the gift that you've given us, God, I pray that the result of consistent prayer would be the peace of God instead of the panic in times of crisis. God, I pray that this week, even today, that we would begin to see through the spiritual lens with our eyes open. Lord, that we would see not only the attack of the enemy and the plan of the enemy that's against us through the spiritual lens, but Lord, we would see a great God who's for us. 
who's fighting on our behalf, who brings protection, who we can confide in, who's all-powerful in our lives. Lord, would you move? Would you do the impossible in our lives? God, I pray that prayer would not only inform us, but prayer would change us in our lives. I pray that it would alter us into who you desire for us to be. Today, if that's your prayer, if you're here this morning, you say, you know what? I need a bigger view of God and I need to really have my eyes open to to who God is and what's available to me in prayer. Would you just slip a hand up? I want to just agree in prayer for you today. If that's your prayer, I need a bigger view of God. God, open my eyes. All across this room, there's hands that are up. Lord, you see those hands. You see the hearts that are hungry for you that are saying, God, open my eyes so that I can see. Lord, I pray that you do it. I pray that you do it in my life. Lord, help us to be a church is spiritually aware that discerns the voice of God and the will of God and who you are. We thank you for it. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for being here today. Lord, we thank you that we've been able to come to you with our prayer needs here in this place and you're a God that's faithful to answer. We entrust this week to you. Lord, would you continue to move? Would you continue to speak? Would you continue to draw people to you? We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.